0: Did you miss Canty and Carlin?
1: We're expecting Odell Beckham Jr. to have a new home by now, but he remains a free agent. Cansy and Carlin on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. Courtney Cronin, Aaron Goldhammer sitting in for the guys on this football Friday. Pleased to welcome in the coach, ESPN NFL analyst, Herm Edwards, to the show. And you heard there in the rejoin, coach, about Odell Beckham Jr. not being signed yet. Yesterday, he goes on the alternative broadcast of Thursday Night Football, talking about how he wants to play in competitive games. And as it pertains to the regular season, quote, I don't see the point. I'd rather play when the pressure's on. So this is a player who is eyeing the postseason. As a coach, how do you read those comments from Odell Beckham Jr.?
2: Well, I think you read them for what they're worth. And, 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 and from the beginning, the question I was asking about this whole situation is that he was on this celebrity tour. It started about a month ago when he had a chance to actually, you know, sign to somebody. And I know he had to do a due diligence and start practicing and getting involved playing football again. That was not the case. Um, I I think he's in a place in his mind right now because of the success he had last year, signing late and going in, that he just wants to play in the playoffs. And he just, you know, wants to enjoy a playoff run. I think if you're a coach, um, that makes you a little nervous. It makes you a little nervous in the sense that, Um, You're bringing in a guy that hasn't done anything for a whole year. Um, I think he would be fine in the locker room, but the problem is he'd be healthy. And and that's where it lies right now with any coach that would, um, you know, exercise or or think about maybe bringing him in.
3: Herm, big game coming up on Sunday night, Chargers and Dolphins. Tua and Herbert, if you were a head coach in the NFL and you had your pick of one of those two guys, which one
2: would you choose? Well, that that that's 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 easy. You you don't want to be in that situation. You can't go wrong with either one of them. I think that they're young quarterbacks. Uh, Herbert, uh, I watched play played against him when he was at Oregon, obviously. Um, Tua is a guy um, that you know. Last week was one of those games. Uh, Didn't set his feet a lot due to the rush. You saw that. I think they're young guys. Um, They're both very talented. Uh, Herbert, you know, he's big, strong, got a lock and forearm. Tua's pretty accurate when he sets his feet and throws the football. Um, You want quarterbacks like this to have success, right? It makes the league better. When you have young quarterbacks that can develop and become players for the next decade, you, you marvel in watching them. You know, you look at Joe Burrow right now. I mean, all of a sudden, he's starting to be talked about as one of those quarterbacks. You know, we knew about Allen, we knew about Mahomes. But Burroughs is the guy now we're looking at going, hmm, this guy's pretty nice. He's, he knows how to win, and I think that's the key. Uh, so for me to choose either one of them, I think you sleep better at night when you have either one of those guys on Saturday night before the game because you got a good quarterback.
1: We're so fixated on figuring out who's going to be the better long-term player between yeah. Tua and Justin Herbert, and I get it. It's you know a matter of guys who are drafted a couple picks apart, and you want to evaluate – where they're at in their career and both have had a really good year three. I'm wondering though, is there any sort of measurable, is there anything that you've seen performance wise that you can assess who's had the bigger jump from where they were in two thousand twenty one to where they are right now in week fourteen?
2: I would say I would say two of. And, and here again it goes to who is your head coach who is your offensive coordinator? Do you surround the guy with players where he can be successful? And do you run an offense that fits his skill set? And, look, we know we know the story of Tua. A lot of people thought, well, you know, not dead. Okay, we get to do head coach. And all of a sudden the system comes in and he gets in some players around that can help him be successful. And we're talking about this guy. At one point we were talking about him maybe being, you know, in the MVP race, right? Uh, Herbert is, is something, you know, he walks into the stadium and you can't help but see him because he's so big and he's so athletic, right? And you just marvel uh, at the guy. I just think systems make a lot of these guys, they really do. And uh, you're you not going to ask Tom Brady to run RTOs, right? He's a play-action guy. He wants to drop back in the pocket. Uh, that's old school. But it's been old school. It's been really good for a long, long time.
3: Yeah. He, he has. I'd like to see Tom Brady try to run some RPOs at 45 years old. That that would be – coach, that would be good TV. I, I wanted – you know, the 49ers situation is a fascinating one to me because they mm, have such a great yeah. defense and great skill position guys and a really good offensive line. But now they're starting Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy at quarterback. Do you think they can really make a run with their top two quarterbacks hurt and Purdy playing?
2: I do we dealt with this in Tampa when I was in Tampa. Uh, we had Trent Dillford had a really great team uh, built with defense. Uh, and uh, Trent Diffle went got hurt and we had to put in Sean Key. And we ended up through the season and made it, got into the playoffs and ended up losing championship game against the Rams. I think it was 11 to seven or some crazy score like that. But um, they can do it. I mean, the mindset of that football team, uh, they, didn't, they didn't blink when, when – uh, when Purdy went in the game. Now, it'll be interesting, all of a sudden, Purdy's the guy everybody's talking about, right? He's got it. And now he, he can say, well, I don't hear it, but he hears it, you know, because now he's a starting quarterback of the 49ers. They got this team that's built to win a Super Bowl. All he has to do, and in my opinion, is do what he did last week, and Coach Shanahan will help him do that. Just Just stay on script. Don't get in the left lane where the cars are going really, really fast. We don't have that kind of car. And for God's sake, don't get in the right lane. Just stay in the middle and let the team work. Just work, and get the ball out to the players. And Purdy, I recruited him out of high school. He's an Arizona kid. He's a smart kid. Um, I don't think the pressure's too big for him. I think he's going to enjoy the moment. But he's got a lot of pieces that are helping him. Just get the ball to the players that you got to get the ball to. And and Coach Shanahan will strip plays to make sure he does that.
1: ESPN NFL analyst Herm Edwards joining Courtney Cronin and Aaron Goldhammer here on Canty and Carlin. Since you did recruit him out of high school when you were at Arizona State, what do people not know about Brock Purdy that they need to know and what will they see potentially when he gets his first start against Tampa Bay Buccaneers?
2: Well, he's be, be smart. Uh, he gets the ball out very quickly. Uh, he's accurate, and he's very competitive. He's very, very competitive. Yeah, there's. I mean, you saw him at the end when he made a couple plays. How he kind of clenched his fist and like, yeah, and you know, and it's, it's always something. You're the last player picked in the draft. Everybody you're Mr. Irrelevant. We get all that. Uh, you're on a team that basically you're just kind of you know you're watching. I'm good. They drafted a guy first round. You know they got they got and then he gets hurt and then okay, and our other quarterback comes in. You know and uh, Garoppolo and you're sitting there and it's kind of interesting if you listen to the players of. It the players on the the defensive players, that, that he's the scout team quarterback for the defensive players. So he sees his defense every day in practice, believe it or not. He's practicing against the defense. He's giving them a look. And it's amazing how the defensive players kind of rallied around him and said, you go ahead, man, we got you. So they like this guy.
3: Interesting. Coach, uh, Eagles and Giants play this weekend. Oh,
2: boy. I think you oh boy. I
3: think you I think you made a memorable play in one of those uh, Giant Eagle games. Coach, how often in this day and age now? Because it's been I, I I hate to date oh. us, but I think it's been 42 70, years or 70, something. 78. <laughs> All right. So 44 years. How often do you think about the miracle at the Meadowlands?
2: You know what, not a whole lot. I, I, I laugh when people get into the uh, into the victory formation because basically that kind of started the victory formation, right? Uh, and uh, my tenure uh, when I became a, a coach, obviously, and, you know, after that, uh, I would always show teams the victory formation. When you, you know, walk through things on on, on Friday to your walkthroughs, you know, and as you get older – you know, young guys and when I got to college, you know, you show this, you say, you know, why is it why why do we do this? Why do we call this victory? And these young kids are looking at you, Well wow, Coach, we just do it. I said, Do you know why we do this? And they go, nah, well, coach, we just do it, cause we're gonna win the game. I said, Okay, okay. So then I show them the clip. And they start looking and they go, Coach, was that you? And I said, Yeah, we weren't in, we weren't in color, we were black and white then. We only had black and white film, but you know, <laughs> so it's kind of humorous as, as you know, as this thing, as this thing has lived on for so long, Um, but I was, you know, I was in the right place at the right time, obviously, and it was a fortunate bounce for me.
1: Great memories and great stuff from our coach, Herm Edwards, ESPN NFL analyst, joining us here on Canty and Carlin. Thanks so much for the time, Herm. Appreciate it.
3: Thank you, you, Coach. Thank you, bye
1: Be sure to tune in to a football doubleheader on Sunday as the Giants host the Eagles, followed by Panthers at Seahawks. Coverage begins at noon Eastern time on select ESPN radio stations. Coming up next, we have a big matchup in the NFC East that Aaron just foreshadowed, which has a ton of playoff implications. How will it play out? We'll get into that next here on Candy and Carlin, ESPN Radio.
0: Did you miss Canty Canty and and Carlin?
1: and Carlin on ESPN radio and on the ESPN app, Courtney Cronin, Aaron Goldhammer sitting in for the guys on this football Friday. You can hit us up on the Dr. Pepper call in line, triple eight, say ESPN, eight, 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 seven, two, nine, three, seven, seven, six. You can also join the conversation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed at Courtney. Our Cronin is my handle at go hammer nation 19. I was about to say Aaron hammer nation, but it's hammer nation 19. I've hosted enough shows with Aaron to know what his Twitter handle is. There you have it. Please tweet to us and let us know what you think about giants, Eagles, big game in the NFC East in terms of playoff positioning, especially for this New York giants team which they're in the midst Aaron of a pretty tough stretch with four divisional games in a row it started with the Cowboys on Thanksgiving that was a loss they had the Washington Commanders at home last week that was a tie a weird <laughs> one and
3: <then laughs> maybe go... they could win next yeah. if and the they trend
1: they'll, they'll, f- they'll face that Washington team 2 weeks from now on the road in virginia but before then they've got to play the philadelphia eagles a team that they will again see at the end of the year so all of their division games in the nfc east are coming up at pretty much the worst time for a team that's holding on to third place in the division they don't want to swap spots with this washington commanders team but as we find out today here's what it's going to look like for the giants on sunday saquon barkley he has a neck injury and he is questionable for that Eagles game, Leonard Williams also has a neck injury. He is doubtful. Uh, they've got a couple other injuries. Adoree Jackson's out. Shane Lemieux is out. Uh, and they've got another offensive line injury, which escapes me. But they have three, two offensive linemen are out in their cornerback, Adoree Jackson as well. So when you're facing this Eagles team and you think about what they possess defensively and the fact that this Giants team has not put up 30 points once this season – the uphill right. battle for this group continues to become steeper and steeper and I know for a while we've bon- we've been pontificating about is this the beginning of the end for the New York Giants? I just don't see it yet, but maybe I'm in the maybe I'm in the minority there. Where do you stand on this?
3: Look, I I I know you only have so many games, Courtney, but the Eagles have been playing so well. I mean, what they did to the Titans last week was So even if the Giants had all their guys, I'm not sure they could beat the Eagles at full strength. And you know you have this game lingering against Washington a week from Sunday. So to me, I would sit Saquon for this game. I would make sure he's ready for the more important one. I mean, if you could choose one to win and you're the Giants, I think you'd choose to win the Commanders game. And it also seems a lot more winnable. So. So I'm not suggesting as I get the hiccups in the middle of this rant, which I don't know whether that means it's probably going to be an accurate one or not. I'm suggesting that I think if if I'm the Giants, I got to load manage this game a little bit. Not that you're not going to try to win it, but next week lingering has to be in my thought process as I'm getting ready for the Philadelphia Eagles. Is that crazy to say?
1: No, in the respect that the tiebreaker does matter, and because that first game, the first matchup between Washington and the New York Giants ended in a tie because nobody could win it in overtime, the next game matters. So it's basically kicking the can down the road a little bit. I get your rationale here, and this is a top 10 scoring defense for the Philadelphia Eagles, so it makes the job of Daniel Jones, of Saquon Barkley, if he plays, all that much harder because you do have to keep pace with a team that can not only score at will, as we've seen with Jalen Hurts, and they can run all over you the way that he did against the Green Bay Packers a couple weeks ago, but on top of that, they're a high-powered unit that doesn't have the wide receiver injuries and lack of depth that the New York Giants have. So if you don't have Saquon at full strength, I feel like who's carrying your team at that point? Are you going to put that on Daniel Jones? Are you going to put that on a receiver core that's just kind of been very meh this year? I don't know if I'd rest him though. I, I feel like if he's healthy enough to play and if it's something that doesn't have the risk of re-injury for a team that is oh. on the cusp of the playoffs, I kind of fall into a different category here because I cover the Chicago Bears for ESPN's NFL Nation. We had this conversation last week regarding Justin Fields. Like if he's not healthy enough to play, but he's okay, like a certain percentage, you play him, like you shut him down and – If there's a team that's actually in the hunt and more than just being in the hunt, they have a spot in the playoffs right now in the NFC playoff picture. They would be the sixth seed. You want to hold on to that for as long as you can. Of course, you don't want to risk re-injury to your star running back, but goodness, Aaron, they need him in order to win this game because of how overmatched it feels like on paper they are with the Philadelphia Eagles.
3: Yeah. And this is the first time they've played the Eagles this year. They're both division games. The other thing that I think, look, you have to bring up here. Saquon finally is going to have the chance to hit free agency this offseason. That is if the Giants don't franchise tag him. And if I'm already a little banged up and I'm Saquon Barkley, with my injury history leading up to this point, I know fans don't want to hear this, Courtney, but his long-term future and his financial future – as a running back in the NFL, also has to factor into my thinking if I'm Saquon. If I'm the Giants, I might push him to play. If I'm Saquon, I'm saying I need to secure at least that average of the top five running back salaries for next year, if not the opportunity to get a long-term deal. Look, if they'd already signed me to the big long-term contract, okay, then I'm going to lay it all out there against the uh, uh, Philadelphia Eagles, the number one seed in the AFC in week 14. Otherwise, it does probably work my way into the way I think about it the fact that I don't have a contract for next year
1: understandable from his per- like personal perspective of trying to protect yourself and thinking about the running back class in, in free agency in 2023 because it's a stacked one but let's bring this back to this matchup must win for the Eagles or the Giants or neither what say you
3: I, I would say neither I mean I, I think Philly is the best team in the NFC they have a game lead on Minnesota For the one seed, I think they're going to end up with the one seed. Actually, it might not be a bad idea for them, you know, to lose before they get to the playoffs, just to kind of get that out of their system and reset. Sometimes I don't like teams that are on big winning streaks or go 16 and one going into the playoffs. Um, And then I think for the Giants, their most important games are really still ahead of them. Um, And I think in all likelihood, if they're able to win two of their last five, They're probably going to make the playoffs in the NFC. So I don't think this is really a must win for either team.
1: I wouldn't say it's a must win. So I'm kind of breaking my own rule here playing this game. It's not a must win for the New York Giants. Next week is absolutely a thousand percent a must win when you face the Washington Commanders. Again, because you need that tiebreaker uh, in order to kind of even things out, considering the last game was a tie. But. If, if and This is not going to be a Philly team. I really believe this. Towards that Week 18 game when they face the Giants again, that's a divisional opponent and they both might be making the playoffs. They're not going to rest their starters just to give a divisional opponent their way into the postseason. I truly do not believe that. So you've got to win these games when they matter. This is one that... It's not like make or break monumental to the season, but I think that they would feel so much more comfortable if in this stretch they can win a game against a division opponent because they didn't do it against Dallas, they didn't do it against Washington the first time, and they've got Washington coming up after they play the Eagles this week. Kenny and Carlin is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more, all your protection in one place by visiting progressive.com. Dot.com. Straight ahead, we're going to conduct a therapy session next. Our good friend Jason Fitz laying on the couch in the ESPN studios. We're going to talk about the Raiders and what the heck happened and what's next. This is Canty and Carlin.
5: Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavy on the team.
0: Did you miss Canty and Carlin?
1: Back to Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and streaming live on ESPN+. No Canty, no Carlin on this football Friday, but you've got Courtney Cronin and Aaron Goldhammer, and we're pleased to welcome in our good friend Jason Fitz, host of the new show starting January 3rd, 12 to 3 p.m. Eastern time. Fitz and Harry currently the co-host of ESPN radio, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern time weekdays, Monday through Friday. Fitz is our noted Raiders fan, and I think that we need to just open up our hearts to him at this moment because I've got to ask you, Fitz, and these are some tough questions I'm going to lob your way. I'm not Uh trying to dig. I'm Uh not trying to get under your skin. This is a team that's 3-7 and in one-score games this season. Who do we blame for this?
4: Courtney, I was sitting at SportsCenter on Snapchat last night. And I had the script written, a whole staff waiting, people that, that are up until 5 in the morning to put Snapchat together every day. We're waiting. The script is in play. There's four minutes to go in the game. And I watched the Rams score, and I immediately deleted the entire script and said, guys, I'm going to have to rewrite it. The Raiders are going to lose this football game. I think sometimes you're just, you know, kissed by the gods, and sometimes you're kissed by the devils. And right now it feels like the Raiders are the latter of the two. I, You know, i I've never seen anything like it. Keep in mind, last year the Raiders won six games in walk-off form. It's how they made the playoffs. They were six plays away from being a four-win team last year. This year they've now lost eight games. One they lost with ten seconds left last night. Six others that they've lost on the last play or in the last minute of the game. That is my reality every day. It's why I drink. That's all I have to say. I don't
1: don't think anybody can blame you for that. (laughs)
3: <laughs> I, I I don't think so either really sorry for your for your loss but sure who, who is who is who is most you know would you say McDaniels or Derek Carr who's having a worse season
4: that's a really good question actually because here's the problem when you're really bad it's easy to fix you can look at it and say this one thing what's amazing and this has been the trend in the Raiders losses last night You can look at Derek Carr. How you can throw two beautiful passes to Devontae Adams in the first half that not many quarterbacks should make that throw. I mean, two beautiful catches on beautiful throws. And then just lob up an interception into the end zone like it's your first year ever playing high school football all in the same half, I'll never understand. How you only have 11 passing yards in the second half. The Raiders only ran 20 plays total. In the second half, that screams to Josh McDaniels, not having any rhythm, Derek Carr, not having a good understanding of it. But I'll also, you know, I'll go one step further than that. Like, you know, you've got a stupid, unnecessary or unsportsmanlike conduct penalty after a sack that would have ended an opportunity to score. You had an offsides on a punt like the number of mental errors that this team makes. That's what's killing them. But right now, I think Josh McDaniels play calling late in games gets crazy conservative, and Derek Carr does not look comfortable in the offense.
1: Jason Fitz, host of Sports Center on Snapchat. You can also hear him on ESPN Radio 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern time tonight, joining Courtney Cronin and Aaron Goldhammer here on Canty and Carlin. So let's talk about Derek Carr because he had some good moments in the first half, and then Devontae Adams doesn't record a catch in the second half. Some of that I'm putting on the quarterback. Some of it I'm putting on the coaching staff. For Carr, though, because it feels like he's been set up to be the scapegoat for this team, is he on this roster next year?
4: I don't, I don't think so, but I don't necessarily think that fixes anything. Like, this is the weirdest part about it. If you, if you look at Derek Carr, did he have a good enough game? No. Is he the whole problem? No. I mean, that defense, other than Max Crosby, uh, Nate Hobbs has been okay at times. He's, he's trying to go into a player. Chandler Jones was invisible until about five days ago. Now suddenly played okay. Uh, but for the most Still part—
1: Still a bus free agent signing, 100%. Out.
4: And the defense overall lacks talent top to bottom. So, you know, my, my thing is that if you're the Raiders right now, you sit at five and eight. You're not going to be picking in the top five, which means you have no shot at Bryce Young or CJ Stroud or even Will Levis, who I don't think is deserving of being a top overall pick. But if that's where you want to go with it, you're not going to get an automatic. So the question doesn't become, is Derek Carr good enough? The question to me becomes, is Derek Carr better than Anthony Richardson? And the answer to that is clearly yes. Mm -hmm. So... It's a little interesting because I think Derek Carr is going to get, he has a very easy contract for teams to work around. It's a very easy acquisition. There's no guaranteed money left after this year. Not only is it a good contract for the Raiders, it's a great contract for a trade partner. So I think that Derek Carr has a ton of trade value to a team like Washington that knows that they are one quarterback away on their roster. I think he will play somewhere next year at a very high level and probably be a playoff quarterback. I just don't think it's with the Raiders.
3: Fitz, I know we got to get to some college stuff in the Heisman, and we'll do that coming up, but would you rather have Carr or Tom Brady quarterbacking your team at 46 years old next year?
4: I mean, at this point, I've seen the best that I can see from Carr, and I happen to really like – like I like the mediocrity that comes with Derek Carr. I'll take that over Jamarcus Russell, so I'm a little risk-averse, but if you got a shot at Brady, you take a shot at Brady. I mean, there's just no it, – because it's not just Brady. It's the 10 buddies of Brady that going to come want to play there too. You know, I, I – I hear that. I just don't think the Raiders, I don't think Josh McDaniels, this, this is where it gets really curious to your to your previous question. I, I, I think if the Raiders win every, lose every game the rest of the year by double digits, Josh McDaniels will still be the coach of this football team next year. He is not going anywhere. So if he's not going anywhere, who's he willing to bank his future on? The only deterrent I have to sending Carr away is that If you keep Carr, you get a quarterback for a second year in this system, and you're not putting your job on the line with somebody that you may not like as much in that. So I think, you know, that becomes a bit of a deterrent. But, yeah, I'd rather have Brady.
1: Yeah, and to your point. I'm
4: not a total idiot.
1: No, Mark Davis though is still paying John Gruden. I don't think that they'd be wanting to pay a third coach. Three if they coaches, were to fire yeah. Josh McDaniels, yeah. And, and also uh, like after this season, why is he
4: going uh, to? Th- that's the other part of it too. Like we have to accept, and I don't care if you're talking about the Raiders, the Cowboys, Washington, and any any football team. Mm-hmm. If your owner is bad at hiring coaches. Why is it going to be any better next time? Like, the, the Raiders went through an, air quotes, extensive process to get to Josh McDaniels. So if Josh is a one-and-done flop, that's on Mark Davis. You think Mark Davis is going to do the process better this time? Like, I have no belief in that at all. So sometimes change for the sake of I'm frustrated doesn't mean anything changes.
1: All right, switching gears to college football, we're talking with Jason Fitz, host of Fitz and Harry, which starts January 3rd, 12 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time weekdays. You can also hear him on weeknights up until that point, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. College football Heisman Trophy winner announced tomorrow. Caleb Williams is my pick for this award, and I'm saying that even after the Pac 12 championship last week because I don't think it was his fault that they lost the game because he got hurt. Is he the winner in your mind? And if not, who is winning the Heisman?
4: Uh, There's nobody I watched at the quarterback position this year that I thought was more impressive than Caleb Williams. I think the Max Duggan story has gotten a lot of legs, though, and the way that you continue to watch and you think about the Big 12 championship game, and I think it's a travesty. His coaches didn't let him try and win that game. But if you think about the sort of WWE 80s where it felt like Hulk Hogan just running himself up the ring trying to make sure that he still had some gas left in the tank, like we turned this Max Duggan narrative into something really spectacular. I wouldn't be surprised if he wins it. For my money, the best quarterback in college football this year was Caleb Williams, so you know, in a world where that's unfortunately now a quarterback award, I, I think he would, he would get my vote of the finalists that were there.
1: And that's why I put Stetson Bennett out of it, because he was playing with the number one defense in the NFL. In, I love saying the NFL, because Georgia is an NFL team. Yeah. Let's call it what it is. <laughs> but he was playing with one all season long. Yes, he did have some good moments. Yes, that team won an SEC championship, but I just don't think that you can put that into the context of putting that into the context of what he did versus what Caleb Williams did throughout the season, getting USC an 11-1 and record. I think that that weighs a little bit more heavily than a quarterback who didn't have to win games because his defense was going to win games. Uh, I mean, he, there
4: was a couple of games where, what, 20 passes total for Stetson? Like, they're not doing them for have Caleb. Like, Caleb's out there trying to be Superman every play.
1: He is. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine Georgia away. if they
3: had Caleb Williams? Oh, my how God. How much better they'd be? Mm-hmm. Like, just put it in those con- that context, Courtney, I agree with you.
1: No, you're right, and I can continue to think of those Superman sort of moments that Fitz was talking about with Caleb Williams. He's probably going to be doing a Superman, Superman-esque pose on the stage in New York tomorrow when he receives the Heisman Trophy. He was the favorite going into the conference championship weekend. I don't think that one game, one game that he barely played in because he got hurt, should take him out of that mix. I, and,
4: real quick, I know you got to let me go. I have a mm-hmm. question for each of you. Okay. Goldie, when do we get a new headshot? That's that's question number one because I I mean I don't know what we're doing there. And then
1: I was looking at it earlier. More,
4: uh, even more important than that because that's low hanging fruit. Courtney, are you trying to tell me you've read all those books? Cuz that's a lot of books. Like I have not, that's more books than I've read in my lifetime as you can tell when I try and read A lot read on of radio. these
1: were pandemic purchases fits oh, okay. that like I was like, "Oh, I'd like to get this Amazon Prime two days. It gets to me quickly. I should read it right away." You know away. the good it ones are made into that.
4: movies and then you can get through it in like 2 hours. It's much easy. it's much more time efficient that way, Courtney. That
1: is true. I wonder yeah. if anybody like watching can actually like, read my book titles. I've always <laughs> been like self-conscious of that seeing like some of them are, you know, self help books but you know i have no shame in that we played therapist here for jason fitz on canty and carlin Mm -hmm. when he just laid down on the couch and told (laughs) us everything we needed to know about the raiders i'm so sorry about your four percent chance to make the playoffs from here on out but there is always next year
4: you know you say four percent and i smile like goalie does in that headshot that's all i'm saying
3: no no i mean jason it's you're clearly it's low-hanging fruit for you because (laughs) you're in a bad mood because of your team like, what's wrong with my headshot? What? I think it's the best headshot at ESPN. I don't know what you guys are talking about. There's you're an very issue with happy this headshot.
4: headshot. I That's really feel say. like somebody off camera is just going, "Go, like, go, And you're like, just just getting a little tickled.
3: My little tickle. DMs are blowing up, you guys. Thank wow. God I'm married; otherwise, it'd be a busy night at the Goldhammer household. That's all <laughs> I got a sex.
1: And on that note, ki- we are kicking Fitz out of the You're studio because me. this show has gone off the rails. Fitz will be on ESPN Radio 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern tonight. You can also catch him on SportsCenter on Snapchat. And hopefully, you won't have to rip any more scripts up uh, again and keep your production crew out till 5 in the morning because the Raiders just decide to just ruin your night. So. We'll be watching for that, Fitz. We appreciate Mm -hmm. the time. Really appreciate you joining us here in Canty and Carlin, which is also brought to you by AT&T 5G. Too much college football is never too much with AT&T 5G. Coming up next, which underdogs are going to win outright this Sunday? We're going to go through that list next here in Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN app.
5: Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. Go to shopify.com/network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com/network.
0: Did you miss Candy and Carlin?
1: Week 14 NFL action coming your way in a matter of days. The slate opened up with a good one on Thursday. The Rams with a last-second win over the Vegas Raiders 17-16. What a wild finish that one was! Let's hope that we can get games that are just as good as that this weekend. This is Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Aaron Goldhammer. Let's welcome in our producer Devin Kane to go through a game we like to call "Which Underdogs Win Outright" this this weekend. Uh, Where are we starting?
0: Very creative name, by the way. It's a
1: great name. I think that we should call this segment something
3: almost as creative creative as Canty and Carlin. You know, I don't know how they came up with that. (laughs) Put the guys' last names on the show, and off you go.
0: I love it. First game up, the Jets. They are getting nine and a half points visiting the Buffalo Bills. I know our our TV director, Matt, is going to be very interested in your guys' answer here. Courtney, can the Jets win outright?
1: I think that they can, actually. And I'm not just going product of the Mike White era of what they did against the Bears and the close loss that they had last week to the Minnesota Vikings, but we saw that this Buffalo team... Has, is vulnerable at points. And I know that Josh Allen seems to be riding the ship, but this is also a team that's without Von Miller. I don't think it's going to kill their Super Bowl chances, but I do think that the Jets could win this game. It's a division game. Look, it's an important game. I think the Jets might win.
3: Uh, Courtney, the, the Jets already won outright at the Meadowlands, so I think they proved that they are capable of beating the Bills this year. But I think Buffalo is going to have revenge on their mind, and I just think their offense is too much and is going to score too many points for the Mike White, Garrett Wilson-led Jet offense. I don't think the Jets have a real chance, and that nine-and-a-half number is that big for a reason.
0: All right, next up, we got the Cleveland Browns taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. The Browns are getting six points. Aaron, can they win outright?
3: Joe Burrow has never beaten the Cleveland Browns in his career. He's gone to the Super Bowl. He's done just about everything you could do especially as quarterback of the Bengals. He's never beaten the Browns. Yeah, I think there's a way that Deshaun Watson in his second game looks a lot better than he did in his first. I'm not picking the Browns to win, but I think they could win outright court.
1: I do not think that they could win outright. We all watched Deshaun Watson struggle in that first game back against the Texans defense. The Bengals defense is a little bit better than a team that is 110 and one. Go ahead and give me Cincinnati outright and I'll give them plus – I mean, I know that they're minus They're minus six favored at home. Go ahead and extend that line to ten. I think that they're going to cover and then some.
0: All right, this one's very interesting. A lot of people have been talking about it. Courtney, the team you used to cover, the Minnesota Vikings are taking on the oh. Detroit Lions. They're getting two points. The, the ten and two Minnesota Vikings are getting two points. Can they win outright?
1: They can win outright. I think that we have poked holes in their resume all season long. And, like, let's face it, they like to play close games. They start out hot, and then they take their foot off the gas and they collapse in one way or another. Yes, the Lions can put up 40 points on you, and they can do it at home. But this Minnesota Vikings team is still very, very good. They didn't get to 10 wins because of a fluke. Sorry, Vegas. I'm going with Minnesota in this one.
3: The line is weird. Courtney, I've learned in sports. Gaming. When the line is weird, beware. Yeah, I think the Lions have a chance to win this game, probably will. But Minnesota obviously has a chance to win outright. They're ten and two.
1: Yeah, that's where I'm going. Look at the record. Record stands for itself. And I know that the Lions might actually overtake the Vikings one day in this division. May may as well be next year. I don't think it's going to be in week fourteen, though. This weekend preview is brought to you by Geico. Switch to Geico today and see all the ways that you can save. Coming up next, Tua and the Dolphins are taking on Justin Herbert and the Chargers. Which quarterback would you rather have to build your franchise around? We'll get into that next here on Canyon Carlin.
0: Canty and Carlin, weekdays on ESPN Radio.